Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Here we are, top of the hour. It's one o'clock. It's Monday. I'm Dan Nathan, your guy Adami. Amanda Diaz was just here. This is Trading Spaces. These are sponsored by CME Group. They're the sponsor of our podcast that we do with Danny Moses, our co-host, that drops every Friday in your favorite podcast podcast store, right, Guy? Do you have a favorite podcast store? Say that. Yeah, I do. It's fast. actually there's one in Morristown that I go to from time to time. It's right next to this coffee spot. It's, it's yeah. a fabulous podcast store. All right, fair the enough. Podcast, and the, the beautiful part about it is the shelves are done so well that you really can find what you're looking for. True. Uh, There's a dad quickly. joke there, people, if you didn't get it. Um, this is Trading Spaces. Guy and I do these every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. All right, Guy, let's get into it. Let's, let's talk markets. I Listen, this is a huge market day. Guy, just so you guys know, popped out of a business lunch that he's in right now to do this with us. Um, but he was checking out the markets. Before that, I think, Guy, what's going on right here, if you just popped out of lunch and you only saw the headlines, right, that you saw that the NASDAQ was down, I don't know, half a percent, and the S&P uh, 500's up, I don't know, like basically 35 bips or something, you'd say nothing's really going on. Something's going on here in a big, big way. Um, look across the board here. Internet names are getting absolutely destroyed. Um, anything like high valuation in the SaaS space or work from home or anything like that, absolutely getting destroyed. All these old crappy like SPAC names are getting destroyed. Um, a bunch of the, the cannabis stuff is getting destroyed. Square is down 7.5%. PayPal down 3.5%. Um, it's like uh, look, look at MasterCard. I mean, this is a thing, something you've been on for a while. I mean, the moving MasterCard over the last, I don't know, I want to say since middle of July when it was close to $400. I mean, that move is a staggering move. We've seen downdrafts in MasterCard over the years. Obviously, the biggest one we saw was in February, you know, February, March of 2020. We get that for obvious reasons. But this one is significant because we haven't seen something like this. I think the last time we saw something of this magnitude was in the fall of 2018. When Mastercard traded from about two thirty down to I think buck ninety or thereabouts, so here we are with Mastercard giving it up. I only mention that because you know this has been one of those stories that seems to be impervious evaluation. Now I think people are saying, "Wait a second, you know maybe these stocks are a little too rich." So keep an eye on Mastercard Visa. I think you're right to point out the payment names, but I, you know I hate making predictions, but I, I'm telling you right now, the S and P is going to close negative on the day and in a meaningful way. Because what's going on below the surface is problematic. Well, that that's a hundred percent the point. Because if you look at Apple up two percent, look at Walmart up a percent, Home Depot up a percent, Exxon up a couple percent, Tesla up three percent, uh, J.P. Morgan up two point eight percent, and Bank of America up two and a half. That's your S and P right there. But everywhere else, it looks like an absolute bloodbath. And so, like for instance, Zoom is reporting tonight. Zoom is down like I don't know, close to sixty percent from its all time highs made late last year the stock is down four and a half percent into that print crowdstrike 
uh, had a disappointing result last week in guidance. The stock got cream last week's down seven and a half percent today. Asana down 19 percent. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Anything with high valuation um, and maybe like questionable sort of like growth prospects here because they're decelerating is getting slammed. And I wonder. Does it have something to do with rates? Does it have something to do with the move in the dollar? I think Danny Moses is here. Danny, did you just join us? He is our co-host from On the Tape. We just mentioned him here. Danny, you there? Well, first I'm of here, guys. Before Danny, before Danny starts to utter a sound, let me say this is the same Danny Moses that is now 14 and 1. Yes, that's what I just said. 14 and 1. I think it's 16 and 1, guy. 16 and 1 now in the NFL, yeah. which is I don't think people fully understand how ridiculous that is. I mean, that is I mean, in terms of standard deviations, that's like an eight standard deviation away from what even the best people do. So kudos to Danny Moses of the Big Chill. I love what he's been doing on that movie and what he's doing in the NFL is remarkable. And before he starts to opine, I'll say this for the hundredth time, the volatility in the bond market, which should be the most liquid asset in the history of mankind, is disturbing. I mean, here we are, 10-year yields now, 161, I think, ish. Traded down to 143, I think, a week or so ago. I mean, 10-year yields should not move like that. I don't give a shit who Fed chairman is. There's a problem in, in, the, in the bond market, and we just haven't – it hasn't manifested in the equity market yet. Yeah, my son just got home from college, and he opened up his computer screen. He's trading seven different coins that no one's ever heard of. The market caps on each one are 3 million, 2 million, 1.7. They go from a hundred dollar valuation in his account to seven hundred back to fifty dollars in a matter of seconds. And I told him, and he's pretty smart; he's not going to get caught in it. But I'm like, that's what you see, kind of at the end of anything. And granted, those are very small numbers and small market caps, but that's where we've gotten. Is uh, you know, easy money has has kind of been made here. We're kind of at the tail end of it. But Dan, you just said, I mean, this market weather guy's prediction, which is pretty bold. I love that kind of stuff. Is uh, will the market close down today? I don't know, but. Either way, don't look at the S&P to tell you how the market's doing because underneath it, it's really bad. And, yeah, Powell was going to get it. But why is that better for the market than Brainerd? I mean, on the margin, obviously, you want to. You know, I, you know let me answer that real quick. You're yeah. right. I think it's the uncertainty that Brainerd would have brought, which, which would have been a problem. But in, in retrospect, I think she would have been incredibly bullish for the market. And I think they would have figured that out. I think just knowing there's going to be, con, you know, the continuity that, that – that Powell being renamed is going to bring to the market. I think that's the solace that the market for today. But I think to your point, I think the market's going to come to that realization and say, wait a second, maybe Jerome Powell's not what the market needs right now. Maybe we need another influx of this um, extraordinarily dovish Fed. And, you know, I don't think, I think in Brainerd you got that. I think in Jerome Powell you don't. Agree. Okay. Danny, I want to hear more about the shit coins that your son's trading. I'm just kidding. Hey, by the way, um, I told Amanda this earlier. I just, ate, as the kids say, I aped into a couple NFTs uh, last night. I literally bought two within a matter of an hour. Um, and and again, why? I have money sitting in a, not money, I have crypto sitting in an account. I don't consider it money. I'm listening to Twitter spaces. I'm following some of these projects and some people I know. And they're into these things. And uh, And I said, you know what? I'm in. So I bought a couple of things. I feel amazing. I have these cool little JPEGs in a wallet on my phone. Um, and so to Danny's point, if there was ever a sign of the top, your kid training shit coins in his Robin Hood account or me aping into NFTs in November of 2021, there it is, people. He just he just drove off, but he's trading something called Keys, 
or something like that. And and one of his Sounds friends created. I mean, so, anyway. Oh, uh, so it's a pump and dump. All right, Danny, what's your take here? Um, you know, dollar rates moving higher. Do you think it's connected? Um, the high valuation stocks are getting pummeled today. Is that a is that something you want to draw a connection to? I see the VIX is up today, if I looked correctly. I think it was up 3 or 4%. Is that correct? Yeah, it's 18 and 1840. I mean, granted, it moves back. But that's telling you that there's percolations going on in the market. But, um, I mean, rates are going – listen, I'm of the firm belief that when this thing is all said and done, that we'll have an inverted yield curve when it's all over, and that the 10-year may not be the correct measurement of what's going to happen potentially to the market because it will basically start to price in what a Fed, if they're forced to raise rates, will do. And listen, we can't afford higher rates because we have too much debt. I won't go through that now. But I, and then one thing I read that was really interesting is that it's possible that pension funds have achieved their risk adjusted returns that they need. And they're starting they're going to start to move back more into bonds. So you're going to have a lot of like year end stuff that's occurring that may not be indicative, maybe more technical in nature than trying to read through what the inflation looks like. And listen, the market was telling us two weeks ago that there was a slowdown coming in Europe. Right. Rates weren't jiving. They weren't making sense. You could see what was happening with oil prices coming down a little bit. So I don't know. Dan, a lot, a, a ton of moving parts. I try not to read too much into the day-to-day moves, but I do watch the 210 spread to me, which is going to tell me a lot of what flat, I Flat, flat. Hey, Guy, did you check out that um, there was an article in the journal talking about supply cha- uh, chain disruptions abating a bit, abating. And it seemed like every other paragraph they were talking about some of the energy issues and some yeah. of the factory issues in, in, in Asia. But then it would basically, it would be like, but CEOs here in the state say this, you know? So it was basically well, trying to, yeah. No, I understand. And they can all, at this point, they can only abate. And I'm not trying to, to downplay it, but I mean, if you think about it, it got to levels that I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams could ever thought imaginable in terms of some of the backlogs at these ports. So, I mean, abate is true in the truest sense of the word, but that doesn't mean we're any closer to, to, to sorting this thing out. I mean, I still think we're months, if not longer, away from getting back to some normalcy. So, yes, it's good news that these problems are abating, but, you know, abating is a word, you know, you have to take it in, in context, right? Where, where have we been um, yeah, and I think that's something. That's no, I know. But, you know, last week um, you saw that Micron CEO made a comment uh, similar and the stock rallied in two days, 10 percent of its highs You know, this morning. And I, I just think that if we get into Q4, you know, as, as we are you know, further into Q4, towards the end of Q4. And if you do have C- CEOs mentioning such, you know what I mean? Like that that's going to be really important as it relates to sentiment, um, you know, I mean, because, again, it's going to start pricing it in. Um, hey, Dan, I got a question for you. Yeah, I, brother. I got a for you. How do you how do you weigh that against drop in demand, which I know you've been talking about potentially we're going to see a slowdown. So I can tell you that containers are dropping, you know, they were 2,000 a year ago, which is 7.10, they went to 22.5, they're back down to 15,000 yeah. right now. So it is starting to come down a little bit, but a lot of the inflation stuff that is stickier than that, like, yes, those are somewhat temporary, those should abate, obviously that's a supply and demand issue. Um, but how do, you, how do you weigh those two together? Is that a good thing? I mean, yes, so things are gonna slow down, but why would they be slowing down? Are there more containers being built? Is there less demand? Like, what's the reason? And then. To me, the wage inflation is just stickier than all of this stuff. And to me, that's the that's the real problem. And that's where you can lead into a stagflationary environment down down the road 
when you have sticky wage inflation and maybe all the other stuff comes in because demand kind of wanes. So I don't know. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of stuff. Well, there. you know, the one thing that I think that you, you and I and, and Guy are certainly not economists and we're barely strategists. Um, you know, the one thing that we haven't had to think about during our careers is wage inflation at all. You know, if anything, it had been going the other way. And, and the three of us have been talking about on the tape um, over the course of this year that, you know, prior to the pandemic, one of the biggest I mean, one of the biggest factors in the entire economy was was actually, you know, the, the effects of globalization and, and deflationary pressures on wages, right, um, due to automation and a whole host of other things. So I, I just don't think I mean, they I, I've said this to you guys before. They may stick for a certain part of like, you know, whether it be manufacturing or different areas in the service sector or whatever. But again, I think those jobs are going to contract again. It's not like we've seen this massive push towards onshoring that was supposedly one of the big goals of the trade war, right, that we started in 2017. So do you guys see like new factories popping up, making the things that we are in short supply of right now here on our shores? I don't (laughs) because I think at the end of the day, if you think about what happened with globalization over the last 40 or 50 years, this was like a, uh, you know, a deal with the devil that the U.S. consumer made to have yeah. cheaper products and, and manufacturers here. And so I, I don't know. I just don't really see well, that Well, I mean, changing. that was made under the Nixon administration. I mean, be careful what you wish for because you might get it. And here we are now, you know, 50 years later. But I'll say this to you, and, and, and I'm going to wind Dan up here, but I know Danny Uh-oh. is probably with me. But you know, the, for the Fed to think they can somehow control the employment market, the job market, is, is an effing joke. I mean, lower rates do not make people hire more people. It's, it's just it's, – it's mindless – I mean, I even took one day of economics in college. I mean, it's a joke to think lower rates somehow uh, in, encourage people to hire. It's a, it's ridiculous. We, so the fact that that's still a mandate is problematic. Dan, we don't Dan have a demand problem. Sorry. We don't have a demand problem. We have a supply problem. And the Fed can really do nothing right now. Even if you were, even if things slow down, what are they going to do? There's not enough supply kind of of things that are out there. And I'm in total agreement with you. And no one – like we've talked about before, the average age of Robinhood traders, 31, right? All, the, all that investor knows is the Fed's got your back and printing money. It's not realistic to think we're going to be in hyperinflation, but it's also not realistic to think that we're in this prolonged period that this is normal when you're printing money. But we know one thing, if rates go higher, it ends everything. And that's 100% certainty. I mean, whether that happens or not, I don't know. But we know that if it does happen, it's going to. So be- wait, wait. What's the impetus for rates to go higher here? The Fed announced a taper. Expectations for rate hikes have been pulled forward, except that you know, guy mentioned the volatility in the ten-year U.S. Treasury yield, and it's really been, you know, twenty basis points, really between one point four one and one point six one, where it is right now. But it doesn't seem to be like. What is the thing that breaks it out the way the dollar just broke out? No, it would be, the, it would be the inflation expectations continue to move higher. Wage spiral prices, you know, continues to happen right. that he's most fearing. And like, like, like I said before, I'm not going to look at the 10 year. I'm looking at the two year because that to me is more measurement or at least closer to where the Fed can kind of control. And if that starts to move up and or, you know, we go back to double digits in terms of the 210. Uh, I don't know where we sit right now live. But to me, that's a real danger because you're only going to get an accelerating 10 year yield if you believe we, we can maintain growth. With all this inflation, and if that happens, it will it will be self fulfilling that we will cut off the growth that's coming as a result. So, I, you know, there's a lot in there, but there's a lot of different ways this thing can go. But I only see one direction, and that's volatility in the rate market, which we're going to keep seeing for a long time. 
Anything fundamentally, guys, um, why uh, – I'm just looking at like Airbnb down 7%, Lyft down 6%, DoorDash down 9%, um, Snap down 5%. Look at the ARC complex today. Look at the yeah. ARC complex today. That tells you where you need to know. What all I also think – I mean the comments out of the, 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 um, the health – whatever, the health official, whatever the guy in Germany is, basically there are three outcomes. Death um, – what did he say? Death vaccinations or something in terms of the, the by the end of the winter for germany i mean those were some pretty draconian comments i think people are starting to take notice of what's going on in europe so i think that's part of the whole um the story that you just mentioned in those stocks yeah i it's funny the story in europe um didn't get a ton of play here there was a lot of rioting there was actually i think in the netherlands the the cops shot um or shot at protesters and stuff like that i mean just let's be clear that's never happening here again there will not be any lockdowns i mean we will go back to the more and i don't mean to sound insensitive but like to the 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 container morgues on the streets and stuff like that um this country would literally blow if uh if we did that again but um i don't know for whatever that's worth um what's going on in the autos uh here real quickly guy i know you gotta hop in a few minutes here you see that um Ford's up five and a half percent. GM's up two and a quarter percent. Auto Nation up seven and a quarter percent. Um, Tesla up three and a half percent. And then the Lucid, the Lucid and the Rivian are going the other way. Um, they're down. Um, is it? I, I mean, listen, when Rivian and Lucid find a home for like their market caps, their valuations, that sort of thing, Tesla is obviously divorced of anything like that. It just it just continues to bleed into GM and Ford. Do you think? I mean, like a little exactly that, that right. pixie I think dust. That becomes, I think that becomes zero sum, and I think. You know, in a world where now people are starting to look at valuations a little more close, I think they find that in the form of Ford and GM. Plus, you know, look, Rivian had a huge run, giving a little bit back. I think people realize, wait a second, that's a bit of a lottery ticket. I think in Ford and GM, people can wrap their head around a stock in terms of Ford. When you put a 15 multiple on it, you, know, you can make a compelling case that the stock is $23, $24 in terms of forward earnings. Same thing with GM. And this is not me talking in a vacuum. You know, I've said this for a while on Fast Money. I'm probably a little late to this, but, you know, for the last nine months or so. Late? Been you've, been, you've been saying it for a couple of years, bro. Yeah, you've been so, saying they're way no. too cheap, way too cheap. Hey, Guy uh, and Danny, do you guys have any uh, take on win in Las Vegas Sands? They're both ripping today. What's going on there? Because they're going the opposite way of some of these sort of like reopening trades. I haven't, I haven't looked in, so. The guy yeah. Donnie, this that's is your wheelhouse. That's the, that's the flip side of valuation, though. Those stocks are way too cheap, and they got th- those names. Those two specifically got beat up in you know all the things that went down with some of these Chinese internet names. So I think people come to the realization: wait a second, you know, I get it in terms of the story, but at a certain point, these stocks are just too cheap, and I think that's what's happened specifically with LBS, but with Win as well. And also, there's some stories around Win that are stock specific. Okay. All right. Um, Guy, you got to hop. I think we're going to bring in, uh, we have our friend Guy and I were on at Twitter Spaces on Friday. We had a lot of fun with these guys, Stock Market News, and I think Stock Stock Talk Weekly. I think Stock Market News is there. These guys have these spaces, and they go, like, anytime I look up during the trading day, they're on there chatting um, and talking about a lot of really smart stuff. And, and oftentimes things are not on my radar, which I enjoy popping in every once in a while and hearing what they're up to. But so if he's around, um, Amanda, let's, let's, let's bring listen, him in. I've enjoyed this. I'm at a 5,000 right now. Guy, you rock brother. Um, hey, thanks, bud. We'll talk to you later. I'll see you on fast money. Hey, Danny, real quickly on um, maybe we'll bring our, our, if our buddy stock market news comes in, um, 
what about this this disconnect between like God, look at Peloton down six percent today. Zoom down four percent. Chegs down again. I mean, these kind of workout. Remember the Niedermeyer stocks we were talking about? Dead, yep. dead, dead. I mean, there are no lows low enough for these things. Man. Well, we talked it's, about it. Where where is the buy point? What where is the valuation where you hold your nose and say, you know what, that's just too cheap. They're just not there yet. And so you have mo money that's you know leaving it, and the value guys or true. Institutional investors aren't there yet. And that's what you're seeing, I think, across the board. And we've talked about that. When this ends, what's the what is the point where you know that it's over? You don't. It just keeps going lower. And people in inevitably in the retail sector, as a as an investor, not in the sector itself, trade yeah. that way. Get me my money back. Get me to even. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold until I get my money. That's why charts work. That's why Carter makes a living and, and charts become self-fulfilling. So you can see where the support and resistance, and I think that's when you go to the technicals on names like that see where this thing was two years ago before things got so i mean that's really all it is and i think the the fast money is starting to evaporate a little bit here slowly but surely it's a it's a cut well keep an eye on this name today um roblox traded nearly 142 it's trading 122 it's trading at a new all-time high this is a stock that before its earnings just a couple weeks ago was trading below 80 bucks trades you know 22 times sales um that sort of thing so i think that you know, we're seeing this action in the names that have already broken. Um, let's see what it takes to break a couple of names like this. And we have seen some of these like names that trade at multiples of sales that are just outrageous, that don't make money. Palantir um, is one of them. You know, the, the stock now to me is broken. Um, a Palantir. You look at Asana down 19 percent. We mentioned that one earlier. The Zoom, you know, it just can't catch a bid. Um, DocuSign down 6%. So these things are, are really fascinating to me like because I've seen this before. You know what this feels like? This feels like like late 2001 and 2002. People don't remember what 2002 was like, Danny. I don't know if you do remember, but like the, the internet bubble burst in, in like 2000 and then there was fits and starts in 01 and 9-11 and Enron and all that sort of stuff in 01. But 02 was the worst year of that entire bear market because all of these sentiment stories that were so good um, they just got worse every day. And it was like one steps forward, two steps back. All right, Amanda's saying our buddy Stock Market News is coming in here. Can you bring him in, um, Amanda? You're, you're yeah, he's in. Oh, uh, there hey, you Dan. are. Hey, Dan. Hey, yeah, buddy. You walk, yeah. As you welcome in, I want to make one comment on that because it's super important what you just yeah. said. 9-11, obviously, that tragedy aside, what the Fed did after that was it cut rates basically to zero, right? Yep, yep. Um, companies that should have folded. Forget about 9-11 and what happened in 9-11. Companies should have folded post-2000 bubble blow-up. We're able to survive longer. What's the same comparison as right now? Basically, rates at zero. Companies have gone longer. So the anticipation, every time we get a little inkling that the Fed may hike or Fed fund futures start to trade, that the Fed's going to raise, what happens to growth stocks? So anyway, there are, there are some similarities there as well to the pattern. Anyway. No, that's that's a, uh, no, it's a great it's a great point. You brought it up on the podcast many times. They end up being like kind of zombie companies because they exactly. can, kind of afford to stick around a little bit. All right, but um, Danny, stick around though. Don't don't go anywhere. Um, all right, stock market news. How are you, man? Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. I see we also got stock Uh-oh. talk weekly up. Maybe we well. have them. Maybe we don't. Oh, can you not Amanda's hear? Amanda's operating here. He's on. He's on. I can hear him. Yeah. Hey. Oh, I can't hear him. I've had this happen multiple times. I want to hear what what are we missing here? What's uh what's under the radar that that you guys have been talking about on your spaces that we're missing right now? Well, one thing I guess Danny, you might have to let him know when I'm done. But quickly, you guys were just talking on it there. Zoom reports earnings today after the market's closed. Um, you know, the 
as you guys were talking there, the clear expectations are for the stock to move lower. But as we were talking on my on our earlier spaces, that is literally the way that everybody is expecting and everybody is thinking. So uh, it, it's fascinating to see if, if this could possibly be a, a bottom for that entire area. Um, Stock Talk Weekly is also up here now, uh, hosts the trade of the week every single Sunday. And I did choose the downside on Zoom. So I, I don't think this will be that bottom for it. But, um, you know, the the sentiment on that area is extremely, extremely bearish. And who knows, maybe it got just a little bit too bearish. But I think that a, a big earnings in that area is something that, like, when you look back on it, I never want to call bottom because I have no idea. But this is the type of area that could possibly cause that. See, we also have Dan dropped off. Oh, he's back. Did Dan drop off? No, he's on there. I, th- I think we're, Dan, we're trying to fix us? the problem. Okay. I will say, though, one, one interesting thing, I didn't look at this yet, but what's crazy is how, how efficient the options market is. The option market basically tells you what to expect as far as a move on a stock. It doesn't tell you the direction. It tells you how much volatility is priced in. I didn't look at Zoom, but I would imagine it's something like 10 to 13% move is going to be priced in for tomorrow, whatever the result is. But I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's a great way to kind of look and see. It doesn't help you pick, pick the direction, but it definitely tells you that vol is, vol is going to be there. So, um, Dan, you back on? I'm back. Sorry about that, guys. I was having some technical difficulties. Um, Danny, you jumped on when we were on with these two guys um on yeah. friday i i love the the stuff that they're they're not just focused on the biggest shiniest things the largest cap stocks and so like i said when we jump on we hear some great uh analysis all the time what what else are you guys what, what else are you looking at or do you have questions or stuff that you want to kind of hit us on because we really enjoyed our conversation the other day yeah um you know i'm i'm looking at a couple things today i was kind of looking for MU and TSM to take a turn on the semiconductor roulette, Um, you know, coming out of last week, uh, you know, we had relative strength in NVIDIA and AMD, and I thought they might cool off today. They I mean, they're not down big, but they're they're trading relatively flat. We had a really strong open for Micron, which I traded some calls on. Um, Thankfully, I got out of those in the early morning because the stock has come down since then. I think it was up, uh, you know, almost 7% this morning um, off that morning pop, and, and then it's kind of fizzled out. I'm looking for it to kind of magnetize this 85 level for the rest mm-hmm. of the session intraday. I might make another day trade coming out of that towards the end. Um, TSM, I also expected a big open. We had that. Um, it's kind of rallying now back in the second half of the day. I think that probably retests the daily highs. So TSM and Micron were two I was looking at. I've all, I was also expecting rare metal mining to make a run this week. Um, you know, the lithium, cobalt. And steel miners, although steel isn't a rare metal, but I do have it on my metals watch list. But, you know, today we're seeing strong day for STLD, Steel Dynamics. I don't know if you guys know about that one. Stock no, but let's talk se- Let's talk semis for a sec because I, I actually, okay, we can. you know, we, we just mentioned Mike Ron before you hopped on before. And the fact is that the company, you know, made a comment about supply chains um, or some of the things that, the, you know, they've been dealing with kind of abating a little bit. That stock, you saw what happened on Friday, gapped up and, and then gapped up again today. And like you said, it came in a little bit. Um, Taiwan Semi, I think, is one that uh, has obviously been in this huge range between like 108 and where it is right now, like 125 um, or so, really since early spring. 
And that's one, I mean, that's one to me, I think is like a reload um, because when things get turned back on, I mean, they are basically the foundry for the world. Right. And so I think your point about coming out of AMD and coming out of NVIDIA and into some of these laggards makes total sense um, to me. I don't know if you saw the move in Seagate and Western Digital a couple of weeks ago. And I'll make mention one other point. The week after next, starting, I think it's on Tuesday, November 30th, and I'm going to be down there. Credit Suisse is hosting their their annual like tech conference. It's one of the first in-person like big tech conferences. All of the big semi-CEOs are going to be there. The keynotes are like Intel CEO, uh, Lisa Su from AMD, um, Mayorda from uh, Micron. I mean, the list goes on AMAT, Dickerson. Um, so that is usually a week where like a lot of stuff comes out. It used to be the week that a lot of companies in the semi-space did mid-quarter updates. So keep an eye on that one because um, you know we get out of this holiday shortened week and then all of a sudden we're coming in hot and there might be a bunch of pre-announcements there. And if any of the if if the dialogue is optimistic, basically that some of these supply issues are about to abate, they're going to come in for the cheap names and the way they came in for AMD or excuse me, the way they came in for uh, Mike Ron in the last couple of days and maybe a like breaks out T- uh, TSM, if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Dan. You know, I mean, like if you look at TSM chart, I mean, since, you know, late March, early April, April has been trading in kind of this wide range in between that 108 and 125 level. And I think like if we get enough momentum on the 125 to one, I mean, we came up this morning, I think all the way up to 128. So I think if we can get out of that, you know, 125 to 128 cap with volume, I think this thing breaks out higher, um, a lot higher, actually. So you know, I'm looking to get long on a retest of that 128 and break, and then I'll probably, you know, try to get out of those options for the meat of the move. But um, TSM is a name that I really like. Like you said, I think it's been lagging AMD and NVIDIA, especially considering, you know, the price action over the last few weeks. Micron's another name I'll watch, but I want to see it hold near this, 85 level and you know maybe hopefully i would like to see micron close out the day near that 85 um and kind of just retest it as an intraday support but yeah i love both of those names you know yeah. going forward do you, are, do you guys look at any of the bank stocks here um you know like on days when rates are up they're just raging and it just seems like a like a just a simple trade about the direction of rates or just big cap large cap uh, banks not interest you guys no, no, they do. I mean, yesterday on on Play of the Week, um, who is it that picked the 3x leverage financial exposure? So I do Play of the Week Shinobi every Sunday. And then, but TSDR yeah, helped to get to the 3x. No, 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 no. no. He picked, uh, Shinobi picked TNA, which is the 3x leverage small cap. Oh, um, but somebody picked the, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was, I don't remember. But anyways, we do Play of the Week and somebody picked, um, you know, financials this week for uh, a move up higher. And so they're, they're good right now. Um, I'm not sure this will last or sorry. Yeah. FAS. Yeah. Um, equity junkie, somebody, one of the audience members picked mm-hmm. FAS this week and that's moving nicely today. You know, that plus 6%. Um, I like to play FAS when I'm playing financials because, you know, I'm more of a high beta trader. I'm a younger guy. So I have a little bit of a higher risk tolerance and mm-hmm. you know, I like, I like a little bit more beta, but um, I tend to play FAS for the trade. Um, when you know when I see financials doing well, I, you know I think there's a shot this carries out through the week. I think it could trade higher. I got a question for you guys. So you guys, every retail investor, if you want to call yourselves that, tends to approach the market a little bit differently. You seem pretty disciplined, and you don't have to understand everything the company does, but you get a sense for when something seems to be underperforming or overperforming relative to its peers or whatever. But for the retail people that are out there that that tend to hold on to stocks when they're underperforming. 
that you know the you know the reason they got in the stock turns in not to the reason that they're holding it waiting waiting to get their money back it seems like you guys obviously lose on some trades make on other what what's your attitude on that stuff just cut your losses and move on fight another day yeah i used to you know i used to be like more long-term and swing trade minded when i first started trading like my so i've been trading for 10 years now but you know i started when i was 18 my first four years were very up and down and you know i kind of reflected on that in my fifth and sixth years and, and kind of looked back and i was like what did i do wrong and to me, the, you know, in the vast majority of cases, it was that, you know, I was letting my conviction, conviction interfere with my position management. Right. And so, so that's what I always try to say, like, don't let, you know, your conviction goes both ways. Like the ego goes both ways. Right. Like if you're, if you're down on a stock, you know, you have this feeling that, okay, it, it's got a rebound. A lot of retail has this feeling like, oh, I'm down five or 6%. It's got a rebound. But instead of, you know, that's just completely psychologically driven instead of them looking at the chart and being like, hey, did the chart forfeit a key support? Has it gone from an uptrend to a downtrend? Like retail traders, in my experience, don't really ask themselves these sort of questions. They kind of just look at their position and they're like, oh, I'm down. It's got to go back up or, hey, I'm up. Right. It's got to go up further. So, yeah, I cut my losses very, very consistently. Um, you know, not always the same size. You know, there's day trades where, you know, if it's not too low of a flow, or to, you know, it, as long as it doesn't, it's not trading choppy, I might do a 7% stop loss on a day trade uh, versus like a 10% stop loss on a swing trade. But I'm very, very like consistent and disciplined, or at least I try to be about cutting losses because I'm very opportunity cost focused. Like I'm constantly rotating my portfolio. I probably rotate between three to four positions in my portfolio weekly. So, you know, I'm yeah. trying to constantly be in these themes constantly find out where the liquidity is going. Um, I study volume ramps a lot. So, you know, I'll pull up like these huge volume charts sector wide and I'll look at the volume ramp over the course of, you know, a week time frame, month time frame, three month time frame and kind of see where I think the money's going. So, yeah, for me, I'm always cutting bags because it's an opportunity cost thing for me. I'd rather reallocate that capital. And in my experience, you know, taking a 10 percent loss, reallocating that capital to what you think is a winning trade is going to recover that 10 percent loss way more quickly than waiting for a bounce, um, you know, in the, in the bag that you're holding. So I'm a big proponent of not holding bags. And what do you think? Tell me ask you a question. So, so you're 28 years old, you said? Is that 28. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. I wish I was 28. So you haven't seen, I mean, it sounds like you, you are ready to trade a very volatile market. This is the most volatile bull market I've ever seen. But you've only known the Fed, right? You've only had the Fed has your back. You've, you've basically been trading at zero to one percent rates for your entire life. So, yeah, for, one, I've only been trading for 10 years. Yeah. Right. So if I were to ask you if the Fed were to raise rates five times or it would start to price in that they were, let's let's fast forward a year from now. Fed funds are at one percent and it looks like they're rising. I mean, do you have you don't have a playbook for that, per se, but are you going to watch all these algorithms and all these things to kind of guide you? turn like yeah I can, I, i'm a very volume focused trader so like I'll, I'll continue to monitor volume but you know i also understand macroeconomics well enough to know that you know increased rates are going to lead to a compression in a lot of these growth and tech names especially the smaller cap ones you know the, the more speculative and the more forward growth is priced into the equity you know the more they suffer typically from rate increases and you know i've done even though i haven't traded in markets you know before 2010 2011 I've still studied markets, you know, from the past and, and done my or tried to do my due diligence and learning, you know, from history without having gone through it. Yeah. Um, of course, though, there are definitely experiences. Like you said, I haven't been in 
you know, I haven't traded in a very high risk policy environment, um, which, you know, which will be new for me going into next year, because I do anticipate multiple compression in a lot of these names. I want to take, you know, long exposure off the table or at least shift a lot of it away from growth and tech going into mid to late next year. Um, but, you know, timing that is really the the crux, right? Timing it is what, what's hard, right? Because I, you want to participate in a bull market, but you also don't want to get caught holding the bag. So, you know, I'll, I'll be gauging that as we go into next year. Yeah, I would say one one last thing I would tell you guys to watch. Credit spreads, you know, have been basically um, as low as they can be for a long period of time. When credit spreads start to start start to widen at all, it's over. When I say it's over, I mean everything is going to drop. And that's because you look at something like a Carvana. You guys start to look at these companies that think that they, they say they do what they do, like sell cars. They don't buy and sell cars. That's their side business. What they do is finance cars and, and sell into the securitization market. It's names like that that people need to understand. Because someone's going to wake up and say, why is Carvana down $100 today? Numbers look good. They're buying it. Because those are, so my last, the only advice I would give you guys for these trading cycles is, and we've seen credit spreads widen literally tiny bit. And then all of a sudden the market either comes in, but now that we're in the taper mode and so forth, I would watch credit spreads. And it doesn't just touch financials is my point. It touches everything in the market that sells something and securitizes something. That's all that that'll be the end of my rant today on that. But if I could give you guys any advice. So Danny, since the financial crisis, um, where have we seen little pockets where, uh, uh, you know, within has have we seen it within? Specific yeah, we saw sectors? it in oil. Yeah. We, I mean, we, when oil dropped a lot a few years ago, we, you know, we, yep. we saw it happen there. Right. Oh, you know, so we, back in 15, 16. And, and yeah. basically that that helps make your point, because back then, what what did we see? We saw the dollar rally and we saw rates rally. And then you saw right the energy names as the commodity came in. You saw then you started seeing that that spread wide, exactly. right? And then yeah. the malls. Obviously, we've seen some fits and starts with mall REITs and so forth. When not just COVID, but even prior to that, you know, in in twelve and thirteen and so forth, when credit spreads were widened, it would affect them because they obviously are very very levered. So, guys, I mean, in two thousand eight, everybody was bailed out with TALF and TARP and PPIP and you name it, right? It didn't matter what it was, and everyone in that cycle thinking that it meant, you know what? Maybe they do bail them out again. Maybe this happens all over again. There'll be more programs. But I'm telling you, like, if you look at it objectively, that's the stuff you really got to watch. And you'll start to see moves that you don't understand why they're happening. And I guarantee you it'll be in names that appear to be a retail name, a consumer name, or just a pure auto. But it's the credit spread widening that's really behind the scenes that's causing a backup. So. Well, listen, guys, uh, we really appreciate you hopping on. Danny, it was awesome to have you. But our friends, um, Stock Talk Weekly and Stock News. Uh, wait. Wait, 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 hold on. I got to get your name right here. I got it because, you know, you guys, we're going to have to make this a little easier. We're going to have to have first names, but Stock Market News and Stock Talk Weekly. We joined you guys, Guy and me, um, on Friday. We had a great conversation. We appreciate you guys joining us today. Danny Moses in the house. Thank you guys very much. 